We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Computer. This is Data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers speak basketball? Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. I'm your host for today, Tim. You know me as Cranjus McBasketball on Twitter. Tom is not with me today. We couldn't connect. I'm about to do some traveling, so it was uh, a tough time to connect. But I want to take this time in the solo pod to talk through the great player that has been Anthony Davis. 80 of the season has had around top 25 impact per 100 possessions this year so far via stable player impact. Kevin Farragut's new impact metric. LeBron should be out, I won't say soon, because maybe in the next week um, from B-Ball Index. So we'll have a sense from there what that looks like. AD's been strong defensively. He's been strong offensively. And he's been used in some interesting ways, in some ways I'd like to talk about and tie it in with some data and talk through how he's played because his game has really connected on both ends of the court. And I think it's been a, a good way to set him up. And a, the Lakers have done a good job, you know, enabling him to perform well. And it's not accurate, I think, to just look at what he's done and say, oh, this is because 
LeBron's out, or this is because he's trying harder, or this is because of X, Y, and Z. There are some real basketball reasons to why he's been able to do what he's done, and I want to talk through them. So let's start with defense. He's currently having a career high in our passing lane defense metric, looking at deflections and interceptions. So steals, if you just look at steals, you have different kinds of steals. So grouping them together, yes, they're all steals, but there are different ways to get to them. And we learn more about a player by understanding what that diet looks like. Some guys are getting a lot more on-ball steals, picking pockets, and uh, others are doing a lot more off-the-ball intercepting passes. AD's getting a bunch of interceptions. He's getting a lot of deflections. That results in a high passing lane defense grade. And from a defensive playmaking standpoint, he's done a great job in that manner. 90th, 91st percentile in this metric. Really, really strong. He's also never contested a higher percentage of shots that the other team takes when he's on court around the rim than he is this year. So if a team's taking a shot around the rim, he's more likely this year than any other season of his career to be able to contest it. He's, uh, from a disruption standpoint, on shots at the rim, opponents are shooting around 4.5% worse against him than expected. So that's, it's good. It's not great. It's not elite. He he hasn't been an elite rim protector, but he's been a very good rim protector. And he's been tremendously better than if you have LeBron or JTA or some non-center trying to do this. And that leads me into what I want to talk through when it comes to scheme and how the Lakers have used AD. Because we've seen him, if I had to categorize or characterize his game on both ends of the court this year, in like three words, I'd say around the rim, in both, both ends of the court. They've found ways to keep him around the rim. Defensively, you keep him the round, around the rim. Why? Because you have no other rim protection. And keeping AD around the rim allows you to make up for mistakes that others are creating and it puts in him puts him in a position to use his length, use his rebounding, use his shot blocking, all of those great things and he's made, you know, he's taking good advantage of that. You're able to conserve him a bit. There's a lot of value with him not needing to be sprinting around all day long, jumping and contesting and potentially injuring himself. Um, he's in a position to be comfortable, play within himself, still be a defensive playmaker, still play passing lanes, but not need to uh, do it away from the rim. So that's been that's been good to see. Switching, when you switch, you can limit your impact individually. If you have an individual good switching defender on a team that only has three good switching defenders or four good switching defenders in a lineup, you know, you can, you know, lock your guy down and then the other team just goes and hunts the bad switching defender. And it, you know, ultimately the the other team's able to score, go target the weaknesses. And with you switched, maybe you're, for AD, he's away from the rim, switched guarding some guard on the perimeter he can't leave alone or they'll hit a three. Uh, but he's not able to, you know, go help at the rim, which on a team that doesn't have rim protection is an issue. So that's not ideal. If you have five great switching defenders, then you're suddenly really able to see some special stuff. That's really exciting defense. And he could fit within that scheme. This team doesn't have the personnel to do that for more than a couple lineups. So that's not something they've leaned into. And I understand why that, you know, with him not switching as much, he switched less than Rudy Gobert this year. He switched less than... So many than Ivica Zubats this year. I'm not just saying this. We have the data to look at this. Um, it's been really interesting seeing how he's been used. Uh, he switched less than 
Adams, then DeAndre Jordan, then Joel Embiid, Nikola, uh, I'm sorry, Yusuf Nurkic, Moses Brown. All of those players have switched more often than AD in ball screens. And you might look at that and say, what the hell? Like, that's not the way to use AD. For this team, it might be. Because when he switches, he's not able to impact as many plays as what he can and drop. He'll switch, he'll, you know, he'll be in position and then swing the ball and oh crap, ball's on the other side of the court, I can't do anything from here. When he's around the rim, he, for offense in the NBA, you want to get to the rim, that's how you draw second defenders, that's how you score most efficiently, that's how you get to the free throw line most often, that's how you get the most offensive rebounds, those are the highest quality, quality shots. If he's there, he's most able to impact plays. Same kind of deal with, with hard hedging or soft hedging is switching. When you run those coverages, you end up putting like two on the ball temporarily, which smart teams realize, okay, well, if we've got 2v1 on ball, that means we have a 4v3 off ball, offense's advantage. And if 80 is one of the guys on the ball, he's not one of the guys off the ball. <laughs> um, he fits really, really well into these hedging schemes when he's a power forward and he's playing off the ball. And I think this could be something the team explores if they do want to run other coverages at a certain point in the season. You don't play Anthony Davis at center when you do that. You go stick a, you go stick LeBron or go stick JTA at center because they are going to in those situations, you know, they can stick their hands up and they can you know do a quick little trap and a hedge or something, and then they can run out of there and recover. And in the meantime, when you have that numbers disadvantage, AD is the one now able to defend the rim. So that's not something I've seen them do. It's something I'd like to see them try out at some point because I think that would be a creative way to, you know, get him defending the rim and use how good he is as a rotator in a catch edging scheme, which I think at some point you will need to leverage. Um, but, you know, as long as he's at center, that's not, you don't want to keep him away from the play in those ways because you just kind of remove those defenders as soon as the ball is swung out of there. So he can do well at it. He's very good at it. But the impact of him in it is smaller than it would be in drop. In drop, he's individually not at his best, but for this team, it allows them to keep him defending the rim, impacting a higher percentage of plays and, you know, doing so in a way that there's no other way he'd be able to defend the rim more than drop unless you're playing like zone or something. And I, I don't think that's what this team wants to be doing. So it is that way to keep him around the rim yet again, around the rim. He's also conserving more energy than he ever has before defensively in terms of the distance he travels per 75 possessions on defense. Go go grab the year-over-year -year tool or just go look at the data at B-Ball Index. You could see how far he's traveling on defense. He's never had to travel less than this year, and that keeps him fresher. That keeps that energy bar full. It makes it easier for him to run in transition. It makes it easier for him to exert energy offensively. So in this way... Wow, you've impacted more plays, a higher percentage of players plays with him on the court, and you're asking him to conserve energy at the same time. You know, that's how you optimize his defensive impact and you set his offensive impact up for success by, you know, giving that giving him that energy to exert on that, that end of the court. Now, if you can get a good rim protector that can space the floor so offensively it works, you I'd still want to do so because AD as the helper rather than the anchor big still conserves him. You still check that box. 
uh, you still have a big man, not him, but a, a big man able to defend the rim and, and, you know, run drop and all those things. So that's good. But then you also allow AD to be that hunter in a helper role off ball. That is his best role. So if you can still do that, do it. Um, but as long as you're running these like single big lineups, keep him a drop for a lot of this regular season. Playoffs, maybe a different story. I think you want to explore running, you know, some weird you know, he's the power forward, but like LeBron's the center, JTA's the center for the purposes of running a hedging scheme, potentially, you know, play around with those things throughout the season. But I, I get it. I get it. From a rebounding standpoint, he's having pretty good success on the defensive end of the court. Um, even with more of his defensive rebounding, or defensive rebounds being contested than 98% of the B-ball index database. So it, couldn't be too much harder for defensive uh, for Anthony Davis when it comes to the uh, difficulty of the rebounds he's winning, but he's doing a really good job despite that. Drop isn't the best way to optimize him as a player, but I think it's very well maybe the best way to use him on this roster as long as there's no size around him and he's your only really hope, only real hope at rim protection. Um, what I will say is. Switch and drop are also the two coverages that limit off-ball rotations. And we've seen that, and that has equaled better-looking defense from Russ, Lonnie Walker, LeBron James, and Dennis Schroeder. If you are then, if you suddenly switch to a a hedging scheme, those guys are going to look worse because they're going to put in more positions to do what they're not as good at doing. Uh, LeBron, you know, when he's locked in, he's just fine with it, but... There will be times at this age, at this point in his career, where he's he's you know conserving energy a bit, and when he needs to be rotating, he might be a little bit slow. So that that could be a concern, and that's a factor here. It's not just about optimizing AD; it's about making the most of everybody. So I think by only running drop, you limit your ceiling a little bit. I, I still do think there are creative ways to proxy the value that other coverages give you while still limiting rotations, while still keeping AD around the rim, we've seen the Lakers use multiple types of drop. It's not just, oh, drop coverage. Like, there are different ways to do this. And we've seen this. And, and the Lakers do it pretty drastically in different ways. You will be some, you'll see some plays where, uh, like against the Spurs, AD was really, really deep in his drop. He was almost at the restricted area in his drop when the ball handle was going around the screen because they don't respect the pull-up shooting and they're not worried about the Spurs beating drop with any specific set plays, which is, you know, an error on the Spurs side. But then you'll also see plays where AD starts around the level of the screen. And uh, from a screenshot, you can't tell if it's drop or a catch hedge. Starting at the level of the screen, and then as you're being attacked or as the ball handler is dribbling, you will retreat backwards, but not side to side. You're not looking to contain, you're just looking to defend the rim. Um so that is that is a key difference there, but this allows you to play a coverage that immediately takes away the pull-up three, and then you just need good uh, ball screen navigation from your guards to get around the screen and then be able to uh, recover and get back in front. And this is where that off-ball stunting from the next perimeter player helps you contain side-to-side in a way that catch-hedging would, but you're relying on your, your defenders, your other defenders too. So that defensively, I think, sums up well where the Lakers are using him, how they're getting value from him, why it makes sense, why it's smart, and 
Why I'm not as concerned about it as I think I was a couple weeks ago. As we're seeing how they're using him, it's making sense. And with the roster as is, with a trade probably not coming, uh, I, I get it. I, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, it's working really well. We're going to take a quick ad break here. And when I come back, we're going to talk about the offensive side of the game and how the defense is lead, helping lead to offense. But then also his offensive game has been really strong and he's got some really good metrics in a number of areas and he's got some career highs in key areas. And uh, we're going to break that down next. So we'll be right with you just after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back. So Anthony Davis's offense has been good this year. His point production is up a bit from last year. His free throw shooting is a little bit above his career average. It's not nearly as bad as his career low last year, which... You know, that was, it would be silly to expect that to continue. His three-point shooting, also not as low as his career low, at least in the years he actually attempted threes. Last year, not as high as the bubble year, not as high as in the bubble, but, you know, not, it it could be worse, but it's not good. His jump shooting's still not good, but to my earlier point, where's he living this year? Around the rim. And it's not just that he's been a finisher around the rim. His rim shot creation our basketball in metric that looks at his ability to create shots around the rim is at a career high. And this is important. This is what a star player needs to have. You cannot be a star offensive player unless your name's Kevin Durant and you are an absolute god from three and from mid-range without being able to create at the rim. If you not if you're not creating at the rim, you are not pressuring the defense, opening up playmaking looks, making life easier for others. And rim shot creation is good. It's just in general, if I can pick one thing I want my offense to do or one thing I want from a young guard or a young big, I want rim shot creation because if they can create advantages, that is something you can build upon. That's a, that is a building block. And then from there, you refine skills and you, you build around that skill set. His rim shot creation is at a career high for a couple of reasons. First, let's talk about his rebounding. 
His offensive rebounding game has been really strong. 85% of his offensive rebounds have been contested, which, you know, offensive rebounds are generally contested, but that is still a mark that's higher than 96% of the, our database. And 81% of his offensive rebounds this year have been turned into putbacks. That is not a career high number or anything, but his opportunity is higher because yet again, he is living around the rim. Uh, his put putbacks per 75 possessions is at a career high. Again, it's, it's opportunity. And... That is easy offense, easy, easy offense. If, you, if you're familiar with synergy data at all and you look at the play types, the most efficient one is putbacks. It's crazy efficient. And he is generating those more than an additional one per game compared to last year. Really high rate. That is, that is fantastic. That is excellent. He's also rolling when he rolls this year. Last year, after he was screening, and you look at his scoring possessions as a roll man, which includes pops, rolls and slips 35 percent of his roll man scoring possessions last year were pops that's a lot this year it's down to 14 percent of the time he is rolling or slipping 86 percent of the time so he is much more frequently actually pressuring the rim after he screens and we're seeing this combined with the Lakers schematically, and this isn't just something he's done on his own. This is within the scheme. There are plays where they design, he's rolling, and we've created an empty side situation. He will be open for a lob. If he is not open for a lob, we have a shooter coming off and off screens on the weak side, off ball screen on the weak side, they will be open. And we've seen a lot of those shots, first couple, four or five games of the year, just breaking those, and everyone's like, oh, the offense is bad. They're falling now. The three-point shooting has been more normal in, in recent games. It's been good in some games. And teams still aren't just giving things away to give things away. But AD is pressuring the rim as a roller. And we're seeing that in the, the romance scoring possession data. And he's been really efficient. We're also seeing that pressure cause the defense to need to help. And that opens up threes for other guys, which has resulted in the Lakers having a really high three-point shot quality value at a team level. And again, it's not, oh, well, they've got bad shooters. They're just giving them up. We're not seeing defenses keep five players in the paint all the time on a, you know, just on a play-by-play basis. You're insulting me and yourself if you're, if you're saying that's the case. There are certain guys and certain opponents that may do that on an individual game basis, and the Lakers can exploit that if they do the right things. But the Lakers are creating high-caliber stationary corner, which are shorter shots, catch-and-shoot open threes, wide open threes within their set plays because the defense chooses to not let Anthony Davis dunk on them and rotate over to him, which uh, you know allows the other option, as long as the ball handler makes the right read and puts the ball in the right position at the right time, it's going to get you open corner three. So AD rolling well, rolling effectively, he's set up with the plays and it's good for him and it's good for everybody. So that's really important to me. He pressures the rim when he's on the ball, and he pressures the rim when he's off the ball. And that off-ball rim pressure is creating good looks for others. Now, we look at other areas of usage for him. Spot-ups are down. Perimeter isolations are down. Off-screen possessions are down. Handoffs are down. Pick-and-roll ball handler possessions are down. None of those were his top areas of usage in the past, but when you take the five or six of those and collectively throw them out, like you're not, you're just not trying to do them. That means he's much more frequently doing the stuff he's good at. He's now being used as an elite post player 
and an elite finisher, not like a 6'10 spacer. Uh, he's not, we're seeing so far, few, you know, so many fewer possessions where he's just standing around at the three-point line catching and needing to shoot the three or not shooting the three. And it's like, ah, you, you know, erase the advantage. We're not seeing that, that opportunity for him because he's living around the rim. His jump shooting has been better than last year, but it's still pretty bad. But he's just doing it less. He has fewer pull-ups per game. He has fewer catch-and-shoot attempts per game. He's just not attempting jumpers as much. And he, you know, he still has these monster games where then he does have a couple misses and they're just brick jump shots. But it's not like 50% of his shot died as jump shots like it seemed like it was last year. Uh, his job on offense fits his skill set. It's not who people have wanted him to be. It's not, he's not playing like bubble AD. Don't say that. He's not playing like bubble AD. He's playing like pre-Lakers AD, where he is a force in the post and he's a force around the rim. And that is the kind of guy that had top five, top 10 impact offensive seasons that we didn't see as Lakers fans. This was the guy that the Pelicans were seeing and we're like, this guy's incredible. Just put something around him. That's what I want from him. And that's what we've gotten to see from him this year. And then I haven't even talked about his post game. Let's talk, talk about his post game. Cause when he's not, you know, a terror running the lane on a roll or in transition or finishing dump offs or cutting to the rim or all of those different things that he's doing a really good job. He's also posting up a good bit. He's posting up a little bit more than he did last year. And his overall high level, high level big picture numbers don't say this guy's been super efficient, but we've got to dig a bit deeper into that and take a look and see, all right, where has he been good or bad when it does come to his post game? Because I, I think that is an important, uh, you know, level of, uh, context when when analyzing these things so let me really quickly pull this up because i'm curious on a game by game basis how this has looked but um as i am doing that okay so when we look at ad in the post this year and i'll, I'll go back to my notes I'll, I'll put the the data away for here for a second the lakers get ad post-ups in a couple different ways sometimes they just are freelancing there's no play called they're not running a, a specific organized help beater. They just, they dump the ball off to AD in the post and they stand around, they watch. If he's allowed to play 1v1, which is not frequent, not everybody's as dumb as the Nets are. If they play 1v1, he's generating good offense, but that's not frequent. Most teams aren't letting him play 1v1. If, if the offense is standing around and they know, you know, if I leave you here in the corner, uh, you're going to be there when I come back or, you know, if I if these three guys on the weak side, we can defend them with two players because they're pretty far away from the ball. As long as they stand still, we can defend them with two players instead of three. And by the time the ball gets swung, swung over there, we can recover to it. When those are happening, 80s post scoring and his efficiency is rough. And we saw a lot more of that earlier in the season. He was facing help. It wasn't 1v1. It was 1v2 or 1v3. That's bad offense. And it's been bad offense. 80s post-ups when the Lakers run a help beater have been better. And he's been a good passer. He looks like a better passer when guys are cutting to the rim or screening for each other away from the ball and presenting good pass-out options that he's he knows where they're going to be because it's choreographed. He looks like a better passer. Shocker. When everyone's standing around and he's got a double team in his face and someone's like, ah, do I cut? I don't know. Then he's a worse passer. 
that shouldn't be surprising to anyone. So from a passing standpoint, I just I want to put that out there. We've seen plenty of him be a good post passer as long as he's getting the ball and understands what's going on around him and the Lakers are countering help appropriately. This isn't new. It's been this way for years. The frequency at which the Lakers have countered post help has changed over the years. AD's skill set as a post passer to me hasn't really drastically improved or gotten worse here. Getting back to his scoring, AD's scoring on post-ups when a help beater is run and it causes the defense to need to abort the help that they were planning to send. Maybe they they load up and then they say, oh crap, this guy's cutting. We have to go guard the cutter instead of just stand a couple feet from AD and let the cutter be open. When they do that, they've been able to generate 1v1 opportunities for AD and he has been three times more efficient as a post player than when he's freelancing. Three times. Much better. AD scoring a post-ups during a set play that pre-catch probably sets him up well, maybe gets him some, you know, a good mismatch or deeper post position. And then post-catch, you also have good movement generally with these plays, occupying potential help defense. He is four times as efficient as him posting up in freelance ball. Four times. So this is this is the story. This has been the story. This was the story two years ago when I tracked every single post up the Lakers offense ran for over 70 games of the season. Not only post-scoring possessions. Not I'm not just clicking through the synergy stuff. I'm not being lazy like that. I went through every clip and grabbed every post up, whether it resulted in a shot, a free throw trip, a turnover, or just a reset. And I was tracking how often is AD and everyone else getting true 1v1s how effective are they in those versus how effective are they when they're not getting 1v1s? And then when they're not getting 1v1s, what do they do about it? Do they stand around? They usually stood around. When the Vogel teams were able to counter the help infrequently, they did a pretty good job. And AD looked like a monster. This is the difference. Scheme was the difference between him looking rough and looking like a monster, him looking like a great passer and a crap passer. And this season, you know, having gone through all these possessions and logged this stuff, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So that overall post-up efficiency number will rise because the team has done a better job installing these things and running these things with good frequency. And we've seen three of the past four, for example, three of the past four, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four of the past five games, he's been, he's running the post-ups. He's been really efficient in the post. Uh, against San Antonio, not as much. And he only had, let me see how many scoring possessions. If he had four scoring possessions, he scored two points. Not great. All the other games recently, he has been an efficient post player. And the scheme has been a part of that. So I, I want to shout out Darvin Ham, shout out the coaching staff. They've done a good job taking AD offensively and keeping him around the rim and setting him up for success as a post player. And the fact that so much of his damage is coming within the scheme, it's not coming in, you know, spotting up. It's not coming in unsustainable ways. It's not coming in ways that, oh, a, you know, LeBron's back. Crap. Sorry, AD. You can't roll anymore. That's not going to happen. Sorry, AD. You can't be in the dunker spot anymore. Not that, you know, LeBron in doesn't impact that. A lot of what he's being productive with and being effective doing is stuff he can and will do when LeBron is back. The scheme has just gotten better over time. So that, I'm not worried about LeBron coming back and AD just not being good. I, you know, Ultimately, you're going to have probably fewer scoring opportunities to him. And as long as the team's doing well, it's okay if he has a few fewer scoring opportunities. That's what happens when you've got a star player and LeBron James coming back in. But 
I am, you know, these two guys still fit together very well, and the Lakers have done a really good job leveraging AD as a role man, as a putback guy, as a post player, so much so so much more than him as a spot up guy, a perimeter isolation guy, handoffs and pick and roll stuff. Sometimes it's it's cute. Sometimes you get you know it creates some highlight plays. For years now, I've looked at the numbers. For years now, AD hasn't been all that effective of a pick and roll ball handler. Um, he'll have some great plays where it looks awesome. And you're like, wow, this would be unstoppable if he could do it all the time. He can't. <laughs> um, so him doing the things we know he's actually really good at, a really high percentage of the time, letting him be him has resulted in really effective basketball from him. I'm pleased. You should be too. This is looking a much better. It's looking much better. He's managing his energy bar so much better. The defense, the offense, they play together. They work well together. And we're seeing a tremendous impact from him while he's asked to do less defensively from a movement standpoint than he ever has. And offensively, we're leaning less into shooting. We're leaning less into on-ball perimeter ISO stuff. And you're letting him be the player he used to be prior to joining the Frank Vogel Lakers. And that, to me, is encouraging because that's the guy that I wanted to add to this team years ago. And that's the guy that I think I believe in using this player that way so much more than I believe in using this player as he as if he were going to regain his bubble AD, you know, magic form. So that's what I have to share about AD today. He's done a good job this year. We should be pleased. Hopefully he's able to keep it up. I think he's fit really well within the scheme. He's done a great job battling on the boards, all of these different things. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see where he and LeBron is able, uh, where those guys are able to bring this team this year because AD so far early has certainly held up his end of the bargain. So that's all I've got for today. I'm going to log off here. I've got a, a flight coming up soon, but if you are not in the Discord, go join the Discord. Send me Tom or the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast uh, Twitter account if I've started review the pod and we'll get you in there or even easier, don't even have to interact with us to do this. doesn't matter if I'm on a plane with no Wi-Fi or something like that. You can go to the link in my bio on Twitter at Tim underscore MBA. And click on that. And you, there are options in there where you can get directly into the Discord by joining various tiers directly. Uh, the first tier goes to the lower bowl, five bucks a month. You get some film room bonus content. You get access to my log logging tracker. I don't know what to call it. The, the spreadsheet that has some interactive tools where you can say, all right, when Ross is on the court and LeBron's off the court, how often is the team running set plays and how effective are they at them? And do they get to the rim more or less with this combo versus that combo? Or which which lineups are they running, which set plays with, and how effective are they? Or things like that. Um, that's included. The film room content's included. And then the bonus pods. I just recorded a bonus pod. We had another mailbag. All of that, five bucks a month. Great value. Go check that out. We've got the courtside tier next up. And that group is 10 bucks, I believe. And that is where you're able to get the X's and O sessions. So all the stuff I talked about, plus X's and O sessions, uh, great, great value there. If you join today and you're brand new, we've got like, I, this isn't, I don't know if this number's correct. We've got like, it certainly felt like 15 hours of content, 16 hours of content, 12 hours of content at least, um, of recorded stuff already up there. Good community with that. So if you want to, if you're looking for something to do over the holidays and you want to get better with your X's and O's understanding of the game and you want to start from scratch, this is that place to go do it. Um, so go check that out. 
we have other tiers with other various uh, privileges and, and chats and access and content and all sorts of different things. But go check all of that out at the Discord. I want to shout out everyone who's in there right now. Shout out the folks at the various levels. Um, really appreciate everything everyone's doing. TJ Timotaji at that arena sponsor level. Uh, all the folks who are in the owner's box. Uh, Miguel, iPod Shuffle, Chamber, uh, Auth. Uh, let's see. Gosh, you guys have changed your names. I, I don't have the script pulled up in front of me. Daddyo, Omar, uh, Romario, Roy, uh, T. Shuttleworth, uh, Hole in One Propaganda. Oh, that's Zach. Um, Real Till Neil, uh, Daddyo, all y'all. Appreciate the support. Uh, get in there if you're not in there, and then go check out the playback streams. I'm not going to be doing as many uh, when I'm traveling for Thanksgiving, but once I get home next week, we'll be right back at that. Tom's schedule should be a bit lighter uh, this moving forward as well, so we'll have some more uh, two-person pods and some more playback with the with the duo of us moving forward. We are excited to get to enjoy all of that with each of you. Hopefully, the Lakers can keep things rolling. That's all I got today. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.